0: hello and welcome to another episode of who knew in the moment the podcast i'm your host phil friedrich and today i am honored to have Jalen courtney williams with me uh jaylen is the uh, assistant men's basketball coach at creighton and on top of that and something that i think you're going to hear about his story is that oftentimes where we get in life is when we're willing to humble ourselves and focus on what others can get through uh, through being with us so Jalen, thanks so much for being on today my man absolutely
1: well, thanks for having me i I told you before I don't know what we're going to talk about. <laughs> I haven't done anything special. You've had some really special guests on, on your podcast, man. So I'm I'm honored when you when you sent me the the, uh, the message about getting on. I don't know if you remember. I was like, me? Yeah, <laughs> I do remember. That was
0: exactly your response.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I'm honored, man, and and I'm excited. And uh, now you'll see how much talent you really have if you can get through this thing with me. So. Here we go. Hey,
0: hey! You've got a great story, and I know there's a lot of people are going to take a lot away. I mean, leading off with humbleness, it's going to be amazing. (laughs) So to start off your story, um, you know, going, you know, down south, you know, the Mississippi area. Talk a little bit about just growing up in Mississippi and just your kind of your introduction to basketball.
1: Yeah. uh, So I was born in Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. Um. Quickly moved to. Verona, Mississippi, below Mississippi, where the name is Elvis Presley uh, is from as well. And I, I was in a baseball family. My my granddad uh, was a semi-pro coach, as long as I can remember. Um, my uncle, my mother's brother, played for that team. He was drafted to the Chicago Cubs, had a short stint there. Um, and so we grew up playing baseball. But I don't know, somehow I turned out to be six, whatever, at 10 years old. And it just – baseball – uh, I think uh if I remember, you know maybe fourth, fifth grade, moved to Jackson, Mississippi. at the time Mississippi was a hotbed for for basketball. Um and I found my way to the Jackson Tigers, which was coached by my one of my uncles Wade. Um and at the time there was Monte Ellis, there was Al Jefferson and and you know, it was a huge litany of players. Yeah. Um and I just, I I fell in love, man, and found my way into it. And it, it helped that I, I had size. So I had size way before talent, trust me. <laughs> so that helped out a lot.
0: Yeah. So as one starts getting involved in basketball, I mean, there's a lot of life lessons that you can learn as you're playing the game. But you had some success really quickly. I mean, freshman and sophomore year, uh, you're a significant contributor, you know, for Provine High School. But you also won back to back state championships. So you had some team success, too. So talk a little bit about just getting, uh, you know, success early on and you know how that maybe lit a fire to continue to progress and get better.
1: Yeah, well, the first thing I'll say is I was fortunate enough to to, to join a really established uh, culture, you know, Provine High School at the time. Um, and please don't quote me, but this is, this is the way I learned it. You know, they had been to, you know, seven of the last 10 state championships at the time. Yeah. Um, and so the culture was really established. Our high school coach at the time, he was uh you know, he had been to a number of championships and, and saw success in his own right. You know, he coached the Michael Jordan brand game, uh, the Nike Skills Academy, McDonald's. He was a part of all. And, you know, I was a, some real talented players who, and, and they helped lead the way for me as I found my way.
0: Yeah. So with that, and just... I guess from a standpoint of you know creating a culture and we'll talk about what you're doing now with Creighton, but talk mm-hmm. about how there's a standard and there's an expectation, right? I think too frequently people say there's a goal, but there's a difference between a goal and an expectation or a goal and a standard. And it sounds like Provine had a, a standard of excellence and you were entering yeah. into that. So talk about just getting acclimated to that with your teammates.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the earliest form of that culture showed up to me was you know i was a freshman and, and at the time you know you you would get your practice gear the first day of official practice and it was something that you had to work your web tour like community service uh you know obviously tryouts and, and so on and so forth but once you even make it past that point there was so many different boxes you had to check before you received this coveted practice top and bottom right yeah. and uh Once we got that, I didn't understand the importance of it. It's you got to practice in something. (laughs) So That was kind of my approach. And, and, you know, I never forget one day I forgot my gear. I forgot my practice top at home, took it home to wash it. You know, was running late to class. I don't know what happened, but (laughs) somehow I would look at my bag around practice time and I have my shorts, no top, Mm. No, no big deal. Right. Well, that's what you think. Yeah. Well, you know, there's 30 minutes on the, the time clock and, and it's running down. When it hits zero, we start our stretch routine. Well, I pretend nothing's wrong, right? And at the time, no big deal. Clock hits zero. Everybody gets in, in formation. Everybody's dressed but me. Coach blows the whistle and he says, uh, hey, you're forgetting something. Mm. Ah, Yeah, I left my top at home. No big deal, right? He says, you're done. You're out of here. I'm confused. Yeah. Like, you, don't insult me. You're done. So I go in the in the, uh, in the locker room. I'm confused. Right behind me comes our five seniors on that specific team. And they close the door and they let me have it, you know, and they told me I'll never forget it. They said, we got worse today because you can't practice. Mm. and I'm a freshman I'm I'm nobody from nowhere who you know who knows what I'm going to bring or not bring and they said you we got worse today because you're not allowed to practice because you forgot your gear." and I never forgot that and and so you talk about that culture yeah I mean right away right away you realize how important everybody is and how important it is to to uh to have a certain discipline and expectation and carry yourself that
0: way Now let's dive into that a little bit because I think one of the interesting pieces of you know culture and even that exact story is having difficult conversations with people. Uh, We oftentimes think it's easier to not have that conversation because, well, gosh, I don't want to seem like an ass. I don't want to make them feel bad about something. But the problem is, is that we're just making an issue potentially bigger down the road, right? Because what happens if they say nothing or coach lets you practice and all of a sudden Jalen's just like you know, well, I don't need to do this, right? I'm bigger than this piece of the pie. So talk about that from your standpoint, you know, having difficult conversations, even as uncomfortable as it can be because it's for the betterment of everybody long-term.
1: Yeah, and, and I approach life this way, be it in my profession, in my personal life with my wife and my children. I, I try to have uncomfortable conversations as much as possible because I, mm-hmm. I think that's how you grow. Yeah, um, And I, you approach it with love and you have to remember that you're on the same team and we're chasing the same goal. Um, So this uncomfortable conversation doesn't come from a place of malice or anything like that. It's, it's, it's all constructive. Right. And, and as you get older and more mature and things like that, you realize how to have effective communication and things like that. But, you know, for the most part, you, you have to really embrace the challenge of, of having tough conversations with the people that, that, you know, you're on a team with or, or, in a relationship with or anything like that, because if not, how do you grow? How do you overcome random obstacles that are inevitable?
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it. That's so true. Now, as you're progressing through high school, once again, freshman and sophomore year, you have good personal success, but you also have great team success. And that continues to be a trend. But an interesting story that I thought was in your junior year, you guys make it to the state championship, but you lose in overtime. And the very next day you were back in the gym. So talk a little bit about, you know, the dedication to the game and not allowing the emotion of a moment where it's easy to say, I just need to, you know, take a couple days off, but, you know, being back at something because the work wasn't done yet.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I don't even think it was that, you know, I, I would love to, it sounds great to say <laughs> i was so dedicated, but I, it was just, all, it was my life. Yeah. You know, at the time it was, it was, it was my life, man. And I, and I loved it. And, um, you know, it, it was the same way after the wins, the wins and the losses, I uh, obviously the tears fell a little bit longer <laughs> after the losses, but you, you treat it the same the next day. I, I, I remember going to practice after, one of those wins with the medal around my neck you just you show up the next day and, and you start it all over um my wife thinks I'm a little <laughs> nuts for that but that's just kind of my approach man you, you 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 start over again and you take what you've learned on that journey and, and apply it to the, the, the new journey mm. uh, so yeah I, I wish I could say it was just I had this extreme dedication and, and maybe that's what it was but that was just my life man that's my life that's 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 it's what I did, that's what I knew how to do. Um, yeah. and I think you, you have to have that kind of love for something um in order to have a level of success and to to go through the failures of it and, and to respond a certain way. You just you just have to love it.
0: Absolutely. Now, here's something that I think could be an interesting take, especially in today's culture. You know, one of the most <laughs> frequently talked about topics is like balance in life, right? You know, hey, and I think sometimes the The idea of balance is that you should do, you should have the same amount of time allocated for each activity, right? And I think the inevitable reality is, yeah, in a perfect world, that is the case. Uh, But unfortunately, if you want to really excel at something, you have to make it a priority. And oftentimes that means you're spending more time towards it. So not jumping to where we're at today, but just thinking about your context of like, you know, having a love for something, having a passion and knowing, Hey, there are times where my life gets a little bit of out of balance. Me out. Spend the same amount of time doing things. Yeah. Basketball season. I know you're a busy guy, <laughs> you're a busy guy all year round, but especially basketball season. But I know, you know, in, a little bit slower times or a little bit more of the off season, Hey, recruiting periods are slowed down or, you know, we're, we've got a little bit uh, lesser requirements on, you know, scouting or working, whatever it might be. You, you spend a lot more time with the family. So talk a little bit about that balancing act for you on having a passion for something and to succeed like you have, you, you have to be dedicated to it, but also making sure that the other areas of your life, you know, get the time and the attention it needs when, when that permits.
1: You know what it's, it's, I'm still figuring that out, to be honest with you. It's 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 ever evolving. You know this. I have a young family.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and even that process for me, it has been interesting. Um, you know, you know this about me. I I lost my father when I was four years old, so I grew up. It was it was my mom, and uh, I have a brother who we just saw off to college here. Yeah. uh, You know, a week ago, so we're excited about that. But fatherhood, the concept of it was was, is fairly foreign for me. Right. And as you know, I have three young girls, a, a six-year-old, a four-year-old and a four-month-old and a <laughs> wife. It, it's, it's, it's interesting. And I, I think yeah. they have a lot of patience with me. Um, And I take it serious. I, I take those responsibilities serious, but I'm navigating the, the balance piece. Like for example, we got married and I was in the office the next day. Yeah. <laughs> And my my boss at the time, when I showed up, he's like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "What do you mean? What am I doing?" He's like, "You just got married yesterday." I said, well, "Yeah." So why are you here? We're like, where else am I gonna be, right? Yeah, and, right. So I ha- I have an outstanding support system um, in my family, and my wife, uh, my my friends, people like yourself, um, that kind of keep me keep my feet on the ground sometimes, and, and they'll let me know, like, "Hey, hey, brother, <laughs> slow it down a little bit." Uh, But I'm still navigating. It's, 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 it's it's ever evolving. I'll be honest. Yes.
0: So for you, you know, once again, you have a ton of success in high school. And so that means the opportunity to play college basketball is there. And it's just more so a matter of where do you want to go? You get announced as the Mississippi player of the year, which is an amazing accolade. And you decide that, Hey, I want to be an LSU tiger. I think that's going to be a spot where I can grow mature and play Mm -hmm. for a good coach. And, see where it goes. So talk a little bit about that transition from high school into college. Um, you know, anytime you're kind of leveling up, right, you're, you're heading into that next season, there's always a little bit of uh, uncertainty, uh, but there's also a level of confidence that has to be brought with you to make sure that you can excel and step onto that stage. So talk a little bit about yeah. that for yourself.
1: Uh, wow, LSU, it, it, was, it was a place that I always wanted to be a part of, you know, again, I grew up Jackson, Mississippi, is two two hours away from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. My my dad is from Louisiana, and at the time, you know, LSU went to the Final Four in 06. and you know that was the closest thing to to the national championship that I had been a part of. Yeah, um, and you know, winning cultures and things like things like that really matter. And uh, you know, 2009, Coach Johnson, Trent Johnson, he won the SEC. He was Coach of the Year which is the year before I graduated. I went to the sweet 16 lost to Carolina and, and I really wanted to be a part of that. Um, here's where things get tricky. This arrogance and ignorance. I thought I had it figured mm-hmm. out. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought, you know, I left uh high school and, you know, like you said, you, you, you have that personal success and the team success. I thought I had it all figured out. And the first, my first summer, my first month on campus, um, uh, I tear my meniscus, like walk in the class. Hmm. Who does that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. People read, again, read the history of my injuries and say, man, what happened? Was there some tragic accident? Did you go yeah. up for this amazing dunk? And, no, no, not at all. I was walking to math. <laughs> and I tore my meniscus the first month, and that's where the adversity started. And that's yeah. where I think my life started.
0: Mm. So, so talk about that. I mean, you're 17, you're 18 years old. You've made it very clear basketball is life. I mean, it's yeah. it's the highest priority. And all of a sudden, something that, you know, there's a great chance, and I'm not going to speak for you, but uh, what happens a lot is we put our identity of who we are and our confidence comes from what we're able to accomplish on the court. And all of a sudden, to a degree, that's taken away from you, right? You can still say you play basketball. You say say you're on yeah. the team, but you're not, you know, the one that's starring in practice. You're not the one that's going to be starring in the game, potentially, because of an injury. Talk about the emotional navigation of that.
1: You want to talk about identity? Oh, I'll show you something. Let's see if you can see this. Yeah. That's, uh no, wrong one. Got a bunch of them. <laughs> that says hoop or die. Yeah. It was real. Yeah. <laughs> it was real. So, you know, you go through an injury, and I've never been hurt before outside of a, an ankle twist that you're out for two days or so and then you, you hop back. Um, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do with myself. Um, You know, all of a sudden, I'm not a part of it the way I would like to be. Practice. I see guys getting better. I, I, I see me getting kind of passed a little bit. Um, Man, it was gut-wrenching. It was yeah. gut-wrenching, right? And... Again, that was the start of that journey. I had six total knee surgeries in college. Six total, and that was the first one. And then you know, you fast forward, and here, here's here's the pivot. In the beginning, it was all about what I could do for myself and what I you know, what a place could do for me. Yeah. Um, those injuries created a created a scenario where I had to figure out mm. a direction. And it's not that basketball became less important, obviously it it's still my life <laughs> uh, but I had to I had to redirect my energy and from being in the training room all the time, I had to figure out what to do with myself and I just decided to dedicate myself to the people around me mm. and that's when I started having fun again. That's when I found my way you know, into what we're doing now that that's when, uh, you know, I like to say the light switch yeah. came on in a, in a world of darkness because I, through those injuries, I fell into a dark place, man. I fell into a dark place. The, the identity crisis, mm-hmm. you know, who am I, what am I doing? Oh my God, I can't go to the NBA. What are we going to do? Right. No, I, I went through that. And, and, and a lot of athletes, I think go through that. And, the only way out of it was I just dedicated myself to the people around me and who would have thought that that would be my life today. It's the same thing. It's the, it's the same thing.
0: Yeah. Well, so when you say that, something that comes to my mind is uh, there's a gentleman named Simon Sinek. He wrote, he's you know written many books and Ted talks and whatnot, but he talks about this concept of infinite game versus a zero sum game. And he says, Oftentimes in life, people view life as a zero sum game where either Jalen wins and that means I'm losing or I win and that means that Jalen lost. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes for us athletes, the reason we feel that way is because there's only one guy that starts. There's only one leading score. There's only one guy getting that scholarship. So it truly is a doggy dog. Like, I no, you and I can't both be the leading scorer. You and I can't both be the starting power forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, only one of us is going to get that role. And he talks about how in life, oftentimes we forget that it's an infinite game when we really look at the grand scheme of life, because Jalen can succeed in life, Phil can succeed in life, and those don't have to be opposing viewpoints, right? Like, And the quicker we can get to a point of, I hope you succeed, I also hope I succeed, but me succeeding doesn't mean that you can't succeed. The more, to your point, enjoyment we can have for others when they do succeed, but a lot of the times people aren't happy for people when they succeed because they're exactly. viewing it as, well, if Jalen did that, that means that I'm not going to do this. Absolutely. So, you know, think about that. Or I guess maybe just tell me a little bit of that thought process for you as you're kind of transitioning and going from, man, I really wanted to be the guy going to the NBA. But now how can I just make sure my team and my teammates are in the best position possible?
1: Yeah, I, the the fortune of going to college with some of my best friends. You know, some people go to college and they meet their best friends. Well, I happened to step into college with a couple of my best friends. Hmm. Uh, Andre Stringer, who was our starting point guard at LSU for a number of years. We played together in high school AAU from 14 years old. Uh, our star player, who ended up going to the NBA, McDonald's All-American, Johnny O'Brien. Yeah, um, I have- three of his pro jerseys in my house. He's my best friend. Uh he played at LSU with us as well. Um and and you're right. There there were some moments of of competition, wanting to feel worthy. Um even even the friendship aspect when I was not able to play or not playing the way I felt like I could, you know, as all that stuff was going on, I felt like less of a friend. I felt like, whoa, I don't even know how our relationship can exist now. Yeah. If I'm not at the caliber that you guys are. Um, and that's where the, the darkness starts to creep in, right? Mm. So so I just I gauge myself against those guys every day. And, and mm. we have been doing that with each other from the time we were, you know, 13, 14 years old. Yeah. And it, it's healthy for a bit because you push yourself, that that the iron sharpens iron type of deal. And then it became toxic. Yeah. It became a little toxic. But again, the pivot was, all right, let's take a step back. You're losing your... And because I was in college with my best friends and Johnny was in a, in a scenario where he was potentially going to be an NBA player and Andre was doing these things, I just dedicated myself to them. Yeah. Hey, Johnny, how can I help you? How can I help you? What can, what, what can I do? What can I do for you? You know? And, and yeah. that's when that thing, that, that wheel started to turn a bit for me.
0: Now, was there a mentor of yours? Was there a coach of yours that set you down or was that just something that one day you made that decision? Like, all right, enough's enough, Jalen. It's time to show up for others.
1: You know what? It, it's, it's too many mentors, too many coaches, <laughs> all of them at, at various points, yeah. uh, would would pour in. I, I'll never forget Robert Kirby, who was an, a Georgetown assistant two years ago, actually. So we, we we got a chance to coach against one another. You know, he 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 called me one day when I was in my room, lights off. You know, he he yeah. said, "Hey, what are you doing? What are you going to bring to your team?" And I, I felt offended by that question. Said, so, "Well, I can't. I can't bring anything to my team." <laughs> yeah. But you know? well, all he meant was find a way. Find a way. You can be important and impactful from wherever you sit. Find a way. Um, we didn't talk about this. I left LSU after my third year and went to Morehead State.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, that staff in particular, because I never played at Morehead State. People don't know that. I went to Morehead State, sat out a year, and was supposed to play a year, but I was injured practically the whole time. That staff in particular embraced me and the injuries and, and whatever they felt like I could bring to the team. Um, in a way that I had never felt before and really allowed me to have a voice in mm-hmm. spite of the injuries and in spite of not being able to play, uh, which really gave me confidence and and allowed me to serve the best way I could.
0: Yeah. Now, talking about, you know, making that transition, uh, you know, from LSU to Moorhead, what was kind of the catalyst for you to make that decision and make that transfer? I mean, once again, you had already been at LSU for three years. You had these great relationships. You had good yeah. friendships. Uh, you know, it's one thing if it's purely a basketball move, but we're talking, Hey, you were kind of starting to see above and beyond just the basketball. It was about the yeah. relationships and you're going to pivot and go into a whole new environment. And how do I fit in? Do I fit in better or worse? Talk a little bit about making that move.
1: Well, there was a piece of me that still felt like I had something to give the game. Yeah. Or I felt like at lSU maybe uh it had moved past me a little bit um and I, I found myself in a healthy healthy spot healthy pocket um and I just wanted to go somewhere and and, and try it. Yeah, I, that was a very selfish decision I made for me and sometimes you you, you have to do things for you you know and, and again I went against the against the better judgment of a lot of people that love me and here's where I learned a valuable lesson sometimes people can love you and hurt you at the same time Mm. Uh, I had an idea and a vision for myself and I had to chase it. People that love me wanted me to kind of stay where I was and do what I was doing and just kind of ride that wave out. And it was only because of fear. It was mm. only because they didn't want me to get hurt out there in the world, you know, chasing these things, but faith I don't know. You call it a lot of things, man. I just, I had to see, I had to find out. And I did that. And it was the best decision I ever made. LSU is an incredible place. I was with two incredible staffs. I played with really good players. Some of my best friends to this day, but I had to find out. And that decision led me to a place where I became the man that I am today.
0: Yeah. Well, so I love what you said there. And I want to kind of highlight two things. You know, one, oftentimes we take feedback from people and we don't necessarily know what the lens is they're giving us the feedback of, right? Absolutely. Sometimes maybe they had made a similar choice in their life and it didn't work out. And to your point, they're just trying to protect you from making that same choice. And it's like, well, but I'm not you, right? You know, like, and, and then there's other times where a person maybe just isn't super, uh, educated in the arena, but we have a lot of Absolutely. trust and respect towards that person. So we value their opinion. You know, I think, Absolutely. Uh, you know, I run my own business. I remember talking to my parents about it and they're like, are you crazy? And it's not because they didn't think I could be successful at what I did. They just were like, you don't have a guaranteed paycheck. Like, how are you going to support yourself? And they had just come from backgrounds of consistent jobs, right? Salaried work. And so I never knocked them for the advice they gave me. It was just their life was different than mine. And so I appreciated their opinion. But at the same token, I knew what I was willing to put forth, right? I knew what effort I was willing to put in and the concerns they had just weren't concerns I had of my work ethic. So I was like, well, if that's the only problem, I think it'll work out fine. So talk a little bit about that for you, you know, hearing people's opinions, taking it to heart because you do care and you appreciate it, but then also being able to sort through, uh, What's the most valuable input that they're giving me and how does this apply?
1: The most valuable input that I, that I got from that whole process was I'm loved, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think I found myself in some dark places where, again, the identity piece yeah. starts to wane and you don't know who you are. You, you don't know who loves you for what, or, you know, you don't even know how you feel about yourself. So through that process, I, I realized, wow, I'm loved. Yeah. Now, what they didn't realize about me in some of these instances is, I'm willing to take what comes with some of these decisions. I'm willing to to take this thing head on. You're an entrepreneur. You're willing to take what comes with that life. Yep. You know. So, so everybody doesn't understand that, and I, and I realized that. And and you step out on faith, and and I made a decision. I'm going to do something very unconventional, and I'm going to put the work and I'm going to do what it takes and I'm going to let the chips fall and I'm going to operate on pure faith no fear just faith um and ironically enough it didn't work the way I thought yeah I thought I would go to Morehead State be the best player in the history of Morehead State yeah <laughs> go on to the NBA you know and, and that good stuff I never I, I might have played two minutes in one game yeah how about that how about that but it was it was it was being able to step out on faith trust my gut um navigate adversity um develop us a, a level of discipline all those all those things became who i am today yeah
0: well and, and i just want to give you a compliment i know you hate compliments but i'm going to give you one uh you know you and i have Number been three, around three. <laughs> you and I have been around a lot of athletes and mm-hmm. you know specifically basketball players and I think I'll speak personally for myself I've met a lot of people that felt they were bigger than the team they were bigger than the opportunity that was at hand and the thing I always wished for them is that they realized the life lesson they were having the opportunity to learn because yep. at the end of the game basketball was just a easy world to learn everything i need to know about life if i was willing to apply it uh and sometimes people that i had had the opportunity to meet i was like yeah you are good and your talent might suggest that you could play at this level but guess what that's that's not the opportunity that you're having right now and if you can learn this life lesson instead of just being mad at the coach mad at the team Mm -hmm. you know mad at the game uh it's going to serve you and so you know i want to give you kudos to that because once again When it was happening in LSU, maybe it didn't feel that way. Maybe you didn't know where it would be, you know, 10 years later. But, gosh, you, you know, you've, you've really harnessed that, man.
1: Well, Phil, Phil you said it. it there, there's nights, man, or mornings where I, I, I genuinely get on my knees. And I don't want to be a preacher by no means. But I get on my knees and I I thank God for what I went through. Because it serves not only me, it serves the, the people I'm around every day and without it i don't know who i am i don't know what i'm doing yeah. you know um so everything that i went through wow i i, I can't explain to you how how tough those moments were how dark those moments were um and how I, I was in a hole that i didn't know when or if i would ever get out of um but all of that stuff serves a purpose today and I'm so thankful for it. I'm so grateful for it. You have no idea, you yes. know, the way I navigate, what does what being a teammate mean? You know, sometimes you, you have an opportunity to be the leading scorer, but that that doesn't necessarily make you more important than the sixth man or the manager, right? Uh-huh. And, you know, I've I've been all of the above on staffs, just like I've been all of the above on a team. But when I was a player, I only thought I'm just working toward being the leading scorer. That's all that matters.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, and I want to win, but I want to win on my terms, which means I'm <laughs> the leading scorer. Things like that, right? But right. everything that I went through showed me that that's a very flawed way to live and flawed way of thinking. And, you know, just I, I was fortunate enough to go through all that stuff, and and I just became a servant, man. So, every, you know, everything that we do now, be it whether I'm the leading scorer or – I'm wiping up the sweat. Yeah. Whatever we can do. Let's do it. I just want to help you do it. I want to help you have the greatest time of your life.
0: I love it. I love it. So you're speaking like a natural leader, a natural coach. And, you know, uh, assumptively people hear the backdrop and they say, well, of course you'd go into coaching. I mean, the guy was a high school, great player, college, great player. But one, oftentimes great college basketball players don't make great coaches Uh, just because you're good at the game doesn't mean you're a great coach at it Uh, but it was also not something that you were dead set on it took a few people in your life to kind of slowly and consistently maybe drip and say hey you should think about this you should think about this before you were willing to step into it so talk a little about those you know important people and mentors dripping on you there
1: I wanted no part of coaching (laughs) zero None at all. It it, it didn't, at, you know, just from where I sat, it didn't look that fun. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to deal with these knucklehead kids man. <laughs> like myself. No, 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 no. You know, I thought it was NBA or nothing. Yeah. You know, uh, but again, thankfully enough, I was around some really, really, really good leaders, some good coaches, people that paid attention and cared, And like you said, slowly, you know, they would just kind of hammer it home. And everybody I've ever been around would would tell me, you'd be a good coach one day. And I think to myself, you're nuts. <laughs> <laughs> you're nuts. Uh, and at that last moment, man, I I was I was with uh the head coach of Moorhead State right now, Preston Spradlin, who's who's become a mentor and a great friend of mine. Yeah. You know, I'll never forget we were uh we were in the sauna, you know, I had Preston and I were working out. I hope he watches this too. He probably won't, but hopefully he watches this so he can get back to that son, right? <laughs> and he said, Man, you should be a coach. Hmm. I'm six injuries in. I wanted no part of basketball at that time, but I didn't know what else to do with my life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he said, You should do it. And he said, Man, you're you're like a guy that I worked with who was very successful. Uh, who's still very successful at the time. He said, You 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 guys remind me of each other I think you'd be great at it and I went home and just thought about it I thought about yeah. it I thought about it and I said you know what I don't know what else to do I'll say yes to an opportunity as a grad assistant just to buy myself some time to figure out the rest of my life yeah but I've really had I saw no future in it for me but I tell you what I feel I said yes and I tell you man my life has been on a, a, a rapid current forward yeah. ever since.
0: Yeah. Well, you know? and, and you say yes to an opportunity that seemingly wasn't even going to be an opportunity for you uh, because there was a star player that had played for Ben at a different school that probably had the, the first opportunity and yep. you were hoping he didn't take it to see if you could get it. So talk a little bit about, you know, one, Just the opportunity that was at hand, but two, them being at Mississippi State for a few years, um, GA, video coordinator, and being underneath Ben Howland.
1: Yeah, so my man, Alfred Aboya, he's the all-time winningest player in UCLA history, which, whoa, right? Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, Alfred Aboya was asked to be the graduate assistant for Coach Howland that first year, 2015, and Alfred was kind of in between, he's playing, he might retire. He doesn't know what he wanted to do. And I think he says, yes. And at the last second he says, Hey, not going to do it. Yeah. Well, Mississippi state's in a bind. They have to get a GA ASAP or they lose the position. Yeah. Well, they look under a rock and here I am about to be the GA at Moorhead state. And, and I get a call. From, again, my uncle, who was my AAU coach, who was tied into the recruiting scene and all that stuff. He says, hey, uh, Mississippi State needs a GA. You interested? Well, if I'm going to do it, why not do it in the NCC with, with Coach Ben Howland? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And luckily, I had – here's how things stack up. I don't believe in coincidence, right? In the moment, yeah. you don't realize these things, but luckily – I sat out a year at Moorhead, so I graduated early. So I'm taking grad classes. I had just taken the the grad school test, the GRE. Yeah. And so, because of that short window at Mississippi State, they needed somebody with a GRE score and all these things where I had just mm-hmm. done it. So I send I send everything in. I apply, and I'm I'm admitted. Maybe a day or two later, I get a call from Coach Howland. He says, "Hey, you're in. You got it." <laughs> and I pack up. I had a uh, GMC Envoy, maybe like a 06, 05 GMC Envoy at the time. I pack up my Envoy on a Friday. Yeah. And I head to Mississippi, 16-hour drive. I get to Starkville, Mississippi with, with everything that I own, which wasn't much, <laughs> in the back of that Envoy. Yeah, and I walk into that office that day to meet Coach Allen for the first time. Yeah, and I, I walk in and see a world that I've never It's like i never seen this before. You know, yeah. it's like you go from being a player and thinking you know it all to these guys are in there coding and they're doing their thing. And I'm like, what the heck <laughs> did I just sign up for? Right. And that was the first day to the rest of my life, man.
0: Man. So as our time at Mississippi State is going, once again, you know, you're in a I would say a non-traditional basketball school, but you're underneath, you know, a coaching staff that is a very history, you know, program. So talk a little bit about, you know, some learning lessons, just getting into that coaching realm at that level.
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, let me go back to Alfred Oboya. Yeah. Ironically enough, the next year, Alfred comes in and he's our GA, right? So if he says yes, eight months prior, you know, who knows? what's going what I'm doing and where I'm at right but that window allowed me him saying no allowed me an opportunity and then he ended up saying yes eight months later you know so sometimes that's how life works
0: that's right <laughs> um,
1: but yeah you know I had an opportunity to work with who I believe would be a hall of famer um yeah. one day Ben Howland you know three final fours UCLA I think 26 maybe NBA players in his career um you know the likes of Russell Westbrook and Kevin Love yeah. you know what i mean Jordan oh, Farmer yeah. Drew Holiday i mean the list goes on yeah uh, and the assistant coaches that i got a chance to work with you know George Brooks who's been there he's a he's an SEC legend you can't you can't think of SEC and not think about coach brooks um Ernie Ziegler who's been a head coach who's now an assistant at University of uh, Nebraska uh, um you know, Corey McCray, who's the associate head coach at Florida. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it I mean, talented group that I had an opportunity to be be with and then talented players um, that helped me cut my teeth in this business. And, and, again, just had an opportunity to serve them and learn from them. And, man, you know, it seems like just yesterday.
0: Yeah. Well, it wasn't that long ago, my man. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah,
1: I guess you're right. I guess you're right. <laughs> Say that to my hairline. <laughs>
0: oh that well you know you've had a couple of kids since this time frame so you know a few kids that's that's probably more it so mississippi state goes well uh but you know being a ga and a video coordinator probably isn't the end job for you so there's an opportunity at a smaller level of the school but a higher role and so you say hey i'm gonna go check out uh mcneese state so talk a little bit about how that opportunity comes to you and once again you know maybe this decision isn't quite the same, but in my head, it's almost a similar one from going from like LSU to Moorhead state, right? Like yep. you're in the D one ranks, man. Like just, if you just hold on to some coattails, you know, like maybe you can keep going and you can pivot from there, but it's a bet. It's a bigger title, right. And and yeah. you get that opportunity. So talk a little bit about that.
1: Well, here's the deal. We talk about coincidence, things like that. So when I was growing up, a gentleman by the name of John Aiken was a D three uh, assistant coach and then head coach at a school in my hometown called uh Bellhaven High School. Um mm-hmm. uh, and you know he would open up his doors and allow us to work out. Sometimes if, if you just were in there shooting around by yourself, sometimes he'd jump in and work you out, things like yeah. that. Well other than that, John and I really didn't have a huge relationship, but I just remember him as a dude from from home. Yeah. Right. Well he's he's an assistant coach at UT Martin, coaching under uh Heath Shoyer who, you know, they won the championship in that league in the OVC, which is the same league as Morehead State. Yeah. Uh, So we had a quick brush in, just say, hey, how you doing, man? Good to see you, man. was wondering what happened to you, (laughs) that kind of deal. Yeah. Well, you fast forward, Heath Shorier takes the job at McNeese State. Okay. His associate head coach is John Aiken. Well, I get a text one day from John Aiken, say, hey, what are you up to? Yeah. Uh, Just preparing for the NIT, man. You know, we went to the final four at NIT that year. And, you know, I was working, preparing for that. And he says, well, hey, when that's over, let's have a conversation. I was none the wiser. He's like, all right, whatever. Yeah. You know, well, we ended up speaking. And that bridged that gap from me to Heath Sawyer to McNeese State. And at yeah. the time, you know, again, I you think you got it all figured out. I'm going to be a high major assistant right here, right now. And I got a bunch of no's. I'll be honest with you, no, 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 no. no. Mm. <laughs> you know, and I kept hearing the phrase, "Hey, you're gonna be good one day, but you don't have any experience." And I'm thinking, mm. "Well, how, how do I get experience without experience?" <laughs> right? You know, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Right. Um. Well, that opportunity for experience came at McNeese State. Here's the deal. You're exactly right. You know, at the time, you know, I hadn't been in it long, but now we're making, I don't know, I don't really. Care to talk numbers? But let's, yeah. let's fifty, sixty thousand dollars, right? And you know, I got my 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 fiance at the time, and and we're pregnant, and and, and all these things, and we get the opportunity at McNeese State. Let's call it a thirty five thousand. $40,000 pay cut at the time and they pay way better now by the
0: way. Uh, <laughs> so I guess you're considering a job at Big sir, like the wise, it, it'll pay better. No, no no, I just I just
1: want people to know Coach Sawyer he he's the AD nice he's, he's got some things figured out and, and Will Wade is you know it's a better spot <laughs> than it was when we walked in. I want that on on the record. But nonetheless, you know, we're about to have a baby. Um You're kind of making some money. You're in the SEC. You're with the Hall of Fame coach. You're you're coaching NBA players, and here I am saying, "Hey, I think I'm going to go to McNeese State." Mm -hmm. It it was different sides of the fence. Some people that I really, really believed in said, "Hey, if you do that, you are an idiot.
0: Mm, Yeah, (laughs)
1: what are you talking about? You're going to go. You're going to take what amount of money?" It doesn't make sense. Think about your baby. Think about this. Think about, you know, all these things. Yeah. And then, you know, the opposite side of the fence is, hey man, it's a great opportunity. You should do it. Yeah. Um, so there's the education piece. I talked to Coach Howland. Coach Howland thought it was a great opportunity for me. Um, and it was an opportunity for me to cut my teeth and 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 get that experience that I desperately needed. Didn't realize I needed it at the time. You're getting young, you think you know it all. Yeah. Oh, boy, without one. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong. But you know, you, you go to McNeese State, you're with a, a talented group there, Coach Sawyer. Um so grateful for him. Again, just always around great leaders, man. I'm fortunate. Some okay. of them are around great coaches, great leaders, um, and people that really believed in me and saw things in me that I might not have seen in myself. Mm-hmm. Um he's the AD now and we speak, you know, two, three times a week, like as one of my best friends. Um and it just he gave me an opportunity, you know? Yeah. And took it three years later. Here we are.
0: Yeah. Here well, we are. well, so yes, McNeese was not a, a long live spot, but you know, I mean, part of that is coaching and just working your way up. Right. Uh, you know, oftentimes it takes a few different pit stops and uh, pivots to get to the next opportunity. And so, yeah, Creighton comes calling and, uh, I don't know that you'd ever been to Nebraska at that point, but, uh, you know.
1: I had never heard of Nebraska. I grew up in Mississippi, man. At, at some and maybe it's just me, right? I don't want to speak for everybody, but yeah. there's a point above the Mason Dixon. I, I just, you didn't think existed.
0: If it's not in the SEC, it doesn't really exist unless yeah, it's man. the blue blood, right? And So Omaha, Nebraska, like,
1: I, I, I genuinely thought Omaha was just, Peyton Manning, Omaha. I just thought that was a thing he made. up. Didn't know that existed, you know. And and, and man, was I was I blown away by Omaha? I man, I fell in love with this place. I fell in love with this place. I mean, I think people make places, and this place has incredible people. Um, and and come on, man, I, I work for for Greg McDermott. Yeah. Like I should I I probably shouldn't say this publicly, but. He pays me. <laughs> I should pay him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I, I feel like I'm gonna come out of this thing like with like a tuition bill. Like this thing, this, this is like school, man. Yeah, like, there hasn't been a day in that office that I, I haven't learned, you know, and taking something away that I think I'll carry with me for the rest of my life and the rest of my career. Um, so, I mean, come on, man, you, you, you couldn't have written this any better for me.
0: Well, so something I want to highlight about, and you said it a couple of different times. So like, I can tell that it's truly a uh, belief of yours. And that is, you know, you're always able to learn more. And I think something that has been, you know, true in your life, true in my life is the there you think you know a lot. And then the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know anything. You know, <laughs> like you, you at 18 coming from yeah. high school, going into college, you felt like you had it all figured out. And then all of a sudden you get to LSU and you're like, damn I don't know anything man like, I'm starting all over right and then you get out of playing and you head into coaching and you're like all right like I'm starting to figure it out and then you get to the next coaching job and you're like dang dude like I didn't have any of this stuff well, you,
1: you, you think you think you'd realize that after what you just said it happened so many times but you stubborn right <laughs> yeah. I got to Creighton I was an associate head coach at McNeese State. Thought we had it figured out. Thought I had it going on. Man, I got to Creighton and and I I listened to to Coach McDermott speak one time. I went in Coach Huss's office and just sat in his office for 15 minutes. Al Huss. I went in Coach Miller's office for 15 minutes and just got a feel for him. Murfield, Vandaloo, McHugh. And I realized, I don't know what's going on. (laughs) But, so I just like that. I I leader, but I huh? think that's a sign of a humble leader though. But I think
0: that's think that's a sign of a humble leader because I think too many times people don't even want to admit that they don't have it all figured out. So they act like they have it figured out. And I think for you to say, hey, man, I quickly realized I don't have it all figured out, but I'm going to be a sponge. And I'm going to absorb because that's I true. want to get better. I think that's a sign of humility uh, because once again, a lot of people reach a certain echelon and they plateau because they're never willing to get uncomfortable and get to that next level.
1: Yeah, no, I, I again, one, another common theme, in, in at least my story, man, I, I'm, I'm around some incredibly talented people every step of the way. And I walk in here, you got, like I said, you got coach Mack, you got Al Huss, you got Ryan Miller. You, you, you I mean, you got dudes here man so if you can't learn from those guys hey man (laughs) you got some things to figure out and the beauty about it they've allowed me to come in and 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 bring whatever it is i bring to the staff and to this office and to this team and i've I've been able to take away some things from them and add it to to my deal and how i do things man and 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 we're having some fun and i'm having a ball personally
0: Absolutely. Well, and, and I think something that, you know, you and I have talked about that you do really well is, um, you know, one, I mean, the coaching side, but two, the relationship and the recruiting side. Yeah. And, you know, something that's been interesting as I look at business people in the business world is oftentimes the best business leaders are people that have been at every facet of the organization, right? They started at this level and they worked their way up. And I I think there's value in just knowing all of the different aspects. But I think the part that makes it so impactful is that because you've been in each of those spots, you can relate a lot better. Right. Absolutely. The the person that was always the best can't understand why guy number 14 on the team is, you know, loafing at practice, you know, or, or why he's got his head down or why he can't stand up and clap for his teammate, because he's just never been in that position. If he's on the bench, Absolutely. it's because they were up 40 or they're down 40, right? Like it, it had nothing to do with like, hey, coach just went with a different guy tonight. You know, yeah. like it, it it wasn't your night. And it's like, man, the mental games, but because you have been in each of those positions. You've been the star on the team. You've been the guy that for unfortunate reasons and reasons outside of his own injuries, couldn't be the guy on the team. And so I think that helps you from a recruiting standpoint. I think that helps you from a just coaching standpoint. Cause it's like, Hey man, if you're in it, I've been there.
1: Every step of the way. And I, I think <laughs> everything that you express is, it sums up as perspective. I just, I offer a fairly unique perspective. Um, in this business, in this industry. Um, And and that's, I coach that way with perspective. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's all it is. I've been, I tell the guys all the time, I've been a part of the problem for sure. Mm -hmm. And I've been a part of the solution for sure. You know, the same way I've been a GA, I've been an assistant coach and, you know, hopefully a a head coach one day, but there's not much in this thing I I haven't seen in this short amount of time. Um, Even at my time as a player, you know, you go from being the best player to, hey man, you might want to help wash the, uh, the underwear here to to earn your keep. Yeah. No, so I've been, I've been at, at every spectrum of it. And, and and thankfully again, thankfully, I had no idea that it would, it would mean something at some point, but man does it.
0: Absolutely. Well, and you know, kind of, uh, you know, last couple of parts and I know you got a million and one things to do yet tonight, so I'll be respectful, but, uh, you know, I think, A cool experience that I got to have with you is just, you know, a few weeks back, you you and I are getting together and I get a text, hey, I'm going to be bringing somebody with me. And, you know, you you use the term servant earlier, and that's not one that I use lightly, just because I think there's so few leaders that actually embody servant leadership. But one of the things we're called to do when we are a servant is to. Hey, when you do something, bring somebody with you. Right. And so, you know, you, you show up and you're like, Hey, this is my guy. And I'm like, what's your story? And he's like, bro, I don't know how the heck I'm sitting here. (laughs) So talk a little bit about that for you. You know, Hey, as I'm progressing, I want to make sure that the people in my sphere are, you know, having opportunities as well.
1: Well, here's the deal. Like the kid you met, he's our, he's our current GA uh Jovan worked his butt off, you know. Worked his butt off to be in a position to be in position, yeah. And that's the thing. Sometimes that's all you can do: control what you can control, and and just just put yourself in position to be in position, yep. you know. And 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 he did a good job of that. But if you think back to my story, I got a call from Mississippi State saying, "Hey, do you want to do this?" Yeah, it's the same thing, right? So just yep. just having the opportunity and ability to 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 almost pay that forward. Um, It's important, but that's where I give, you know, Coach McDermott a lot of the credit. He's, he's, he's trusted his staff and and he believes he has good people. So we get to invite more good people in and and create and and provide opportunities that way. So, you know, just kind of doing what was done for me, man.
0: Absolutely. Well, as they say, stay ready so you don't have to get ready, right? Uh, I think think that's an important piece of it. But the other thing that, you know, I hear you say, and I just think um, always a great constant reminder is, you know, uh, character is is who you are, right? It's not situational. It's just who you are. And uh, people that have high character, people see that they pay attention to that, right? Um, You know, I know you say, yeah, it's kind of crazy. I just happened to get these calls from these coaches. Well, let me tell you, those coaches know hundreds of players and they didn't probably call hundreds of guys. Uh, yes. But that's just because they saw something that you, you know, demonstrated, right. They saw something like, you know what, there's something special about that guy. You know, yeah. Yeah. maybe it's not right now at this moment, maybe it's not 19 year old Jalen, maybe it's not 21 year old Jalen, but if he can, you know, harness that, it, he'll, he'll turn into something positive someday. So uh don't discredit that but the here's last go ahead. yeah. Not, yeah, not, yeah. To,
1: not to cut you off here's no. what, here's what i'll say uh again went through some really really dark dark times um uh, in those experiences and a lot of the times the people around me helped get me through that mm-hmm. you know what i mean and you talked about character you, you touched on that piece you know I, I fell into a place where circumstances started to dictate who I was and and, and how I acted and how I approached different scenarios. And eventually you had to make a decision. Now, either you're going to dictate circumstance or you're going to let circumstance dictate you. And And I learned that from the people around me. And I try to carry that into every scenario that I walk into now, you know, like we were at McNeese state. A lot of people don't realize this, especially people in the Midwest, but that last year at McNeese state, we went through, Two back to back category five hurricanes, Mm. you know, August 26th, and then maybe three weeks later, another one like right on top of us. And talk about depressing, you know, an entire city devastated. And you had every reason to pack it in at that time. And I remember because of what I had been through prior, I was able to somehow wake up every morning and just say, you know what? I'm going to have fun today.
0: Mm.
1: You know, we're going to wake up and try to do God's work today. Yeah. Um, and again, you just try to dictate the circumstance and not let the circumstance dictate you. And just try to live that way. And, and, and here we are, man. Here we are. So that character piece is how you do anything. is how you do everything. Yep. You know, I tell the players all the time, you know, you're right. Now what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, time something's going on. You're right. You're right now what what's your response now you know are you going to let that deter you are you going to let that change the way you work are you going to let that change your dreams or or are you going to respond positively control what you can stay after it you know double down yeah things like that so so yeah again i keep going back to it everything that you i've been through prior created these concepts
0: yes. in my head. i love it so to wrap up, um, you know, now being in father phase, uh, you know, I think, <laughs> I, I think, you know, one of the tough things, and once again, I'm not a dad, but you know, something that I can imagine uh, is tough is like, you're now in the position of, well, I don't want the bad things to happen to my kids, even though yeah. I know that it's so important because of who it's developed me to be, right? Like, I know, inevitably, tough times create, you know, perspective i know they create you know a perseverance but at the same time i don't want my kiddo to have to deal with this right so that now for you kind of putting on dad hat you know how is that uh for you and also you know just to your point in the beginning you know hey kind of growing up with with really not having a dad in your life just from passing when you're four years old um it was it mean to be a dad at this phase of your life man
1: i can't explain it you know, I, the, the day my oldest daughter was born, I, I changed, man. I was a different dude. And yeah. the day my second daughter was born, I say this all the time. My first daughter turned me into a like a dad. Yeah. Right? My second turned me into a father. You know, I was a little mm. bit older. Yeah. But you take experiences from the first one to the second one. And now this third one, man, she's done a number on me. Three <laughs> girls. I'm sensitive. I cry. Like I watch... Uh, Pocahontas the other day, and I'm crying at the end, man. I was, you know, just it's it's, it's it's they've done a number on me. But you're right, you want to protect them as much as you can. Um, but at the same token, I, I I understand that you can't you can't control everything. So we just try to control what we can. You try to teach them. You know, somebody said to me, one of my friends said to me the other day, you talk to your children like they're thirty. <laughs> you know, and I and my yeah. wife has to remind me sometimes. You know, she's four, <laughs> right? <laughs> You know, you do. You do realize she's four. It's like, hey, she's got to figure it out. <laughs> no excuses. To Play like it. a
0: champion. Yeah,
1: yeah, but but I think uh, you know, you just try to love them the best you can. You try to teach them the best you can, and just hopefully they're prepared when adversity strikes because it will, it will, and hopefully they're they're able to use said adversity to propel, um, opposed to dis- deter or destroy. You know, so that's that's how we're raising them. You know, I I didn't write the book. You know, if you got a book for me, I trust me, I will read it. <laughs> so I don't I don't have the answers there, but that's how we approach it. Um, I, again, I I have a unique perspective and understanding that everything I went through is is only helping me. Yep. Um, uh, today, so I, I I'm not one to to be fearful or shy away from from adversity and things like that. But you know, you control what you can and let the chips fall.
0: Absolutely, but I, well, did, I definitely
1: cried. I cried Pocahontas, The New Avatar. <laughs> um, what other Disney movies? Soul, Jamie Foxx, yeah. so like oh, cried. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I cried. I watched Air the other day, the, the story of Michael Jordan's son, yeah. He cried. <laughs> Man. That wasn't the case before these these daughters, man. Now it's just like any little
0: thing. I'm just it, it just happens. Just happens. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love Don't it. Tell anybody that, Phil. Come on. <laughs> well, it's about to get blasted, brother. <laughs> Thought this was a safe space, you and me. I'll cut that part out. <laughs> no, well, Jalen, I want to say thanks so much for being on today, brother. Uh, your amazing story and all you got promised me is that. I don't know. 3 years from now, wherever this journey takes you, 5 years from now we'll uh, we'll do it again and highlight all those pivotal moments.
1: Absolutely. Just make if as long as you make a deal, you got to introduce me to your tailor one day when I can afford him because <laughs> I can't today. But deal. Deal. <laughs> I mean, as long as we can do that, we're locked in for life. we we'll,
0: we'll do it, we'll do it in person in matching suits. Fire. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's
1: do it.